due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin. I just, I'm bored. Gonna start. What plaything can you offer me today? Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay, look. Cock and Bull Minute. A Tristram Shandy story. A podcast in which, eventually, ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, A Cock and Bull Story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a Bull story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. Uh, we're back with Niall McGowan. Hello, again. Hey. Dealing with... We talked a bit about SFW last time, and Batman, and a few other things. We still haven't talked much about Ruby Sparks. No. And th- this was the the movie that got me to sign on. They're like, oh yeah, I want, I want to talk about Ruby Sparks, because... Before we get to that, you were talking at the end of the last episode about like your Patreon stuff that you did for Batman, or Batman. Oh yeah. And I realized, I never even mentioned my Patreon on my shows anymore, because I never figured out good things to put on there as extra, <laughs> like, extra content. <laughs> I was like, if you want to give me a dollar, do it. I don't care. Whatever. I think we. I'll take it. Maybe I shouldn't give this give this away because this might be like maybe you end up because sw- you're you're there doing it already. But an idea I had for our Patreon next season, and you know, this might it might never happen anyway. But because we'll be covering Batman and Robin at yeah. the minute, we're going through all of the long Halloween chapter by chapter. So every month we have nice. you know like an issue of that to review. But then after that runs out, like you could do the sequel to it. Or I was thinking, because Batman and Robin is one of the worst movies, regarded as one of the worst movies ever made, we could have the guests come on and bring what they think their worst movies, like not not even good bad movies, like things that genuinely annoyed them yeah. and made them actively angry. Yes. And then the Patreon would be every month, like we'll put a vote in the listeners' cave, and then me and John will review that movie and see. I I I would like to offer up that you do Shark Exorcist. <laughs> Shark Exorcist has that kind of thing, though, to me, where it's like, I, I like a movie that's just bad because of incompetence and because they didn't... Most of that is incompetence. It is the problem it. I have with Shark Exorcist is that that last 20 minutes where the movie ended and then you just get this director being a pervert. And I'm like, I feel weird now. <laughs> so I was I'd worry if it went into that Sharknado territory of like, I think they know it's bad. So they're just yes. they're trying to kind of almost like get away with like we can we have an audience who will just watch any stupid crap we do. But I I, I want it to be like genuinely like no they were trying sincerely to make something, but it just went horribly horribly wrong. Yeah, those can be those can be more fun. I I prefer when the filmmakers were trying mm. and failed. Yeah, like Suburban Sasquatch is one of those. It's like you know that there's commentary tracks and behind the scenes footage of the director talking about everything that went into the film. Yeah, how serious it was, and the movie's awful. This even now though with like, it's even more baffling with him in particular is like Neil Breen stuff because I've seen through Facebook. Yes, Robert, you're watching a lot. I just yeah, well, I've seen all of them now. He seems to like be genuinely thinking he's he's making some great. He statements. just put out. I don't know if you follow Red Letter Media, but they watched his retrospective thing, which apparently it's a six hour. <laughs> thing that he's selling for like a hundred and some dollars <laughs> of him talking about filmmaking technique and choices he made going into films and they're like he doesn't realize his movies aren't good yeah it's either that though because he, he's obviously quite a wealthy guy like much like tom yeah, he's an architect like he's obviously he's obviously got business savvy so is it 
all like maybe Neil Breen is the greatest genius with, with and nobody realizes it because he's so convincingly I magical. I don't. He would be. It'd be too good because his his manner of speaking, like even in behind the scenes footage compared to his acting, there's there's something wrong with him. <laughs> I hate to say that. I I mean I know. I'm mean, even worse about like Tommy Wiseau. I don't like to say there's something wrong with him because we know for a fact he was in a horrible car accident and had a head injury. Mm. And, you know, there could be something wrong with him. But Neil Breen is just, there's like a personality thing where he's, he has this savior complex where he wants to play these. He literally, and no one talks about this, but his, I think it's his third movie or second movie called I Am Here Now. He literally plays Jesus mm. who comes back and one of his big beefs with humanity and why he's disappointed is we don't have solar power. And it is such a bizarre <laughs> idea. Like he kills people because we have prostitution and don't have solar power. And like, you can't play Jesus like that, dude. And then he basically plays a Jesus figure in his other movies too. Yeah. yeah. He's always a savior who's killing bad politicians for the sake of everyone else. Mm. Which is fine in a movie, but you gotta play it differently. You don't play it like, oh, this is wonderful and I'm the savior of mankind. <laughs> he does have, like, I don't think he has much of an acting range though, so I think that might be no. the, the, the actual That's a big problem there. with it, yes. Or directing range when he had for his other actors, cause they all, it's, they all shout their lines every time. <laughs> The films are wonderful to watch, though. Oh, I've, I've seen a, I've seen a couple of them. I, they all kind of blur together for me, though, because of things like. Well, yes, the plots are the same. Yeah, it's like oh, he's out in the desert for a bit, and then uh-huh. all of a sudden he's in front of a green screen where he's either behind like a news desk or in front of like a political podium where he just goes on a news, tirade. News for desk a month. is passed through. Yeah. The podium is. Uh, oh, what's the first? It's it's um the one I thought was his first one, but then. When I watched it, I'm like, this seems like a weird remake of Double Down, and then I found, or a prequel to Double Down, and I found out it came out later. I'm like, that's weird. Because mm. in Double Down, he has, he has flashbacks to, like, his wife who died from, like, drug problems. In this other movie, uh, what is that one called? No, I can't remember. The Faithful Findings? Is that one of them? Faithful Findings, yeah. His wife has a drug problem because he gets painkillers, and she starts taking his painkillers. <laughs> and then she dies. I'm like, okay, this is the prequel to his character from Double Down. It's perfect. Oh. But it came out later. <laughs> and there's different names for the character. I'm like, no, this is your character from Double Down before he became a weird assassin spy who threatens the entire world. Mm. But you know what Neil Breen didn't direct? It was Ruby Sparks. <laughs> the, um, Thank God <laughs> for that. <laughs> I thought it, like, uh, one of the things on Batman, people who listen to Batman will know, I always end up tangentially connecting everything back to Batman because we always have a thing yeah. of like, oh, everything's connected. And this movie is almost kind of, yeah, weirdly connected in a couple of ways in that one was directed by, was it Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Farris? I'm always, yes. I'm always worried it's Valerie Dayton and Jonathan Farris and I'm getting them mixed up every <laughs> time. But the, they, they directed a bunch of videos for the Smashing Pumpkins, including the video for The End is the Beginning is the End, which is the spinoff single. Huh. For Batman and Robin, which they co-directed with Joel Schumacher, so everything's connected. Nice. Plus, it stars Paul Dano, who of course is now playing the new version of the Riddler in uh, Matt Reeves' upcoming The Batman. They're just doing like a almost like a like it's a Jeff Loeb comic, where it's just like all the villains are in it, like freaking Catwoman's in it, the Penguins in it, the Riddler's in it, everybody's <laughs> in it. But uh, weirdly enough, watching 
Ruby Sparks, like I was, I was already on board for Paul Dano as the Riddler, but watching him in this, I'm like, oh, that guy is such a good Riddler. Yeah. Because particularly towards the end, where it's like, you know, the Riddler's a very petty, sort of slightly, well, the, the Riddler's very smug, but yeah. he's got like a real fragile ego, and he loves to manipulate people, and he has like a real power trip where like, oh, he gets to mess around with you with like death traps with riddles, and mm-hmm. he's always one step ahead of you and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And just, yeah, that, that is Calvin in this movie. is. <laughs> oh, especially when he tells Ruby what he can do and makes her like bark like a dog. That scene, yeah, I can see it. That, that, I remember that was the, because I remember this movie coming out, and I was very excited for it, because this is like, I liked, I liked Zoe because back in like the me and orson welles days and stuff so i was like on board for this and it was weird because it was kind of marketed like oh it's a like a kooky Mm rom-com and then when you watch it it's like no it's it's it gets really dark towards the end like it it goes in right it's like deconstructing not just rom-coms but relationships yeah yeah trying to make people be who you want them to be but then i remember that that sequence in particular is is like yeah he's getting there to like bark like a dog and getting there to, to declare that he's a genius and that she loves every part of him and all this and stuff calvin listen to me if this is how you think about people then you are in for a long lonely fucked up life Do you hear me, Calvin? Je te jure, tu ferais mieux de. Je parle français. Mais je ne sais pas parler français. Qu'est-ce que. See, Ruby speaks French. I told you I could make you do anything. Qu'est-ce qui se passe? I write it. Mais comment est-ce que tu fais ça? You do it. Mon Dieu!
you're watching it back back then it was disturbing in a post like me too era viewing of it yes it's even more yeah. disturbing because you're like, it gets yeah it got even worse yeah, you have to wonder like because but it but it still works as a movie though because of it because it's so horrible in that climax yeah that, that's what i really wonder is would because zoe kazan wrote that like she wrote the script yes and yeah. i wonder if and she and paul dano were already a couple when they made the movie together oh that's right yeah so it's like they're playing on a real relationship to do that but i wonder if she if it was written now would the ending be the same? Because I can imagine everything up to a certain point being the same. But I don't know, because the end of the movie does have this weird thing where like, they meet again, she doesn't remember anything, mm-hmm. but he knows who she right. is. And it's kind of like Calvin gets a happy ending. Yeah. I think nowadays you would be like, no, he doesn't get a happy ending. That guy doesn't deserve... Well, I, I would be okay with... I think he might get a happy ending, but it'd be more like he realizes he can be okay by himself or something. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like, like he doesn't need to meet a new person. As a, in particular, too, because he's, you know, the kind of white privileged intelligentsia yes. kind of character isn't really in vogue <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and he and he kind of looks a bit like Woody Allen as well. And you're like, oh, I don't know. There's a lot. He's bringing up a lot of unpleasant sort of things. <laughs> like, image, you know, for 2020, it'd be like, oh, I think I, I think the movie would be viewed differently. I don't know if they would have made it the same way, but. And yeah, I remember that you know at the time thinking like oh, this was this was really something. It wasn't what I was expecting, right. but it was like it it was clearly good. I just needed to sit and ruminate with it for a while because there's a couple of things out around that time that had that sort of uh, deconstructionist view, like you know similarities to like Five Hundred Days of Summer, where you have yes, you know, which does the same thing at the end. Yeah, yeah, gives him a, meets a new girl. It's a new girl but same idea the weird thing is like in ruby sparks like you can't help but be like notice that no calvin is a he's a bad guy towards the end like he could be you know you can empathize with him to a certain extent throughout but at the end you're like he's doing really unpleasant stuff here yes whereas with 500 days of summer like joseph gordon levette himself had to come out and say like you know this this main character you're not like you're not supposed to be kind of on his side, you know. Like he's no, no, he's not treating her like a woman. He's treating her like an idea of a relationship that he wants. But it's he's not seeing who the real person is. He just is projecting everything he wants onto her. And like they comment on it in in the movie through his little sister and stuff. But I think because he does such an empathetic performance, at the end you're kind of like, oh, I hope things work out for this guy. <laughs> Where he should be like, he needs to grow. The the disconnected structure of that film helps put you on his side too because it like will give you these weird emotional jumps where you jump to him being sad and then back to when they were happy together and you don't think about who's at fault because you just feel bad because he's on the screen yeah yeah and there is all because you're seeing everything from his perspective as well so when summer yeah. is distant to him you're like why has she been so horrible though <laughs> and stuff but you kind of think like she's just a person she already told him she's not interested in a relationship or any grand romance and stuff mm-hmm. and he's just not paying attention he just he just wants the, yeah and he's out there doing dance numbers yeah you know? it's also kind of like what you know you've uh saying you're gonna cover next year as well robert but like eternal sunshine has that kind of yeah. the idea of the manic pixie dream girl but it turns out like she's no she's much more complex and much more troubled yeah than the idea of what you think and like you know uh, Clementine directly comments on that in in the movie as well. Oh yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's a real thing of like yeah, post two thousand filmmaking. I th- I thought it was kind of um, ironic as well because Zoe Kazan has said that she finds people saying that it's a deconstruction of the manic pixie dream girl character 
to be reductive and to be like, no, that's not what I was going for. I was going for something more substantial than that. Yeah. But the thing is, I can't help but take that away for, because you're like, well, that's what she is. Well, and it, it just because it's a film, it's obviously that. Yeah. But I think she wanted it also be a comment like, we don't usually call people in reality manic pixie dream girls. That's a film. Yes. Thing. Yeah. And it's it's also more about just romantic relationships in general you fall in love with an idea of a person you can't force them to be that idea of that person yeah yeah and when you try it's wrong <laughs> but like oh no i've been i've been in a few a few relationships where like the appeal at the beginning is like oh she's so quirky and oh kooky and stuff mm-hmm. and then afterwards you're like oh there's a, there's a person there as well who's got their you know faults and ups and downs and you have to well yeah you have to navigate that together but there's a reason the manic pixie dream girl who or guy version even exists in a romantic comedy is because that's who's going to get your attention is someone who is does what they want mm. and can do anything at any time and they make your life exciting yeah i thought i thought it was kind of ironic though zoe kazan saying that and then people going and reading that interpretation of like oh it's a it's a deconstruction of that trope and whatnot because the whole movie is about a guy who's written this one, he's written this thing to be something in particular, and then it evolves yeah. into something that's sort of out of his control. And that's kind of like Zoe Kazan saying, like, I'm not doing that. He mistakenly makes her a real person. Yeah, she yeah. has hobbies and interests and friends <laughs> that aren't him. But just then, it's ironic that Zoe Kazan turned around and like, that's not my intention. And then everyone's like, well, too bad. It's out there now. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. it's one of those own. Her intention and our interpretation can both exist. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, that's a great movie though. Yes. And it's, I don't know, one of the things I really took away from it as well, and I've never been to therapy. Like, I've never seen a therapist. Okay. But I found Elliot Gold's psychiatrist character in it to be very strange. <laughs> because he's, he's just such a yes man. Yes. It's almost as if he's just like Paul Dano's buddy who just happens to be there sometimes. Because <laughs> everything he tells him is like, I'm thinking of doing this. Yes! You should do that. That's great. (laughs) I I think it's because we we come in in the middle of that relationship with the psychiatrist. And he knows that Paul Dano's problem is he just doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he has to be a yes man. Mm. But yeah, that is strange. I didn't even think about that. I think most of my knowledge of psychiatry is Frazier and Dr. Melfi from (laughs) The Sopranos. And they usually have much more insightful things to say than just like, yeah, go ahead and do it. That's a a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think Dr. Melfi's even a pretty good one. Yeah, actually. Yeah. He's like, I've made a, li- a living woman out of a book. Like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, and then he just leaves his psychiatrist for a while. Yeah. Throughout the movie. <laughs> but also, you know, I know you don't talk too much about a cock and bull story, but of course no. it does star, uh, the, you know, Ruby Sparks features Steve Coogan, the star of a cock and bull story. Yeah. There you go. You got a direct connection right there. He's a, I don't know if you've had many people from the UK on. Like this, this show. Luke was on here, but like, I don't. I be, I'm sure he'd be well aware of how big it. But he's young, yeah, yeah. But like Steve Coogan over here is like he's a big deal. Like he's one of. Is the, he still? He still is. Yeah, he's still very well respected. Like I know when Trisha Shannon came out, he was a big deal. I think it's more like he's not like oh box office draw. Steve Coogan. I think even after the parole officer, I think that was the first movie he did back in the early two thousands. I think that's kind of put paid to the idea, like, this guy's going to be like our Mike Myers or something. Hmm. But he still is very well respected. Like, every time he comes out with something, people are always like, ooh, Steve Coogan's done something. And uh, every time a new season of Alan Partridge rolls around, it it gets a lot of deserved attention because that's a great character. And it's, you, usually the, pro- the end product will be fantastic as well. 
But uh, but yeah, Cock and Bull story. I remember coming out like people. We went to see it opening day. It wow. was like it was so built up in people's minds. I'm like, oh yeah, there's gonna be. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, this is a strange, strange project. <laughs> but uh-huh. it's it's pretty good. But my main memory of it is just him in the womb. Yes, like that one scene. I was like, oh, that that's that's gonna stay with me the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 but afterwards, a lot of us is like, yeah, I just remember it was a very strange, strange film. One of the most frustrating things, though, is that he did the. Uh, he also did Twenty Four Hour Party People, yeah, which is a fantastic movie. And my co-host on Batman, John Parker, major fan of the seventies punk scene, major fan of like music through the eighties, Joy Division, all that stuff. Yeah, loves absolutely adores Alan Partridge. It's one of his favorite things in the universe, and he still has not seen 24 hour party people even though it's on amazon prime streaming which which they they have in the house it's right it's right there and no matter how many times i said you should want you will absolutely love that film like oh yeah i should get around to that sometime it's been like 15 years now robert i keep telling the guy i just won't freaking watch it just find your right find a really good batman connection and get him to watch it for patreon there you go oh there must be there have to be one in there there's so many people in the Batman movies are involved with it. You should be able to make the connection. Yeah. Let's keep trying to think now. It's... Oh, well, actually, yeah, Andy Serkis is in it. He plays Martin <laughs> Hennett. He's See? And he's going to be friggin' Alfred in the next... There you go. Boom. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, actually, I remember yeah, Ruby Sparks coming out. There was a little bit of, like, ooh, Steve Coogan's in this. Like, it, it, it raised eyebrows. Huh. And, you know, because, but then it was like, well, he's not the main part. Like, he's a very minor character in it. But it certainly got people's attention because, like, again, it was released under the kind of what's that other Zoe Kazan movie she did with Daniel Radcliffe, like What If, which is a perfectly charming rom com. Yeah, but that's about all it is. Right, <laughs> like it's just like yeah, it's a pretty nice little romantic comedy. Whereas Ruby Sparks is much more like no, they're they're they're, they're saying something with this. Like this has got much more going on under the under the hood than uh, your your standard you know high concept comedy, but. Um, but yeah, yeah. So then, the important question then is, taking SFW and Ruby Sparks, how do you compare the two? Um, but I, th- I do think there is, there's definitely thematic connections in that thing yes. we mentioned earlier, like the idea of someone been brought about and then put into the world and people having an idea of what that person is supposed to be and then it just being contradicted by them actually having emotions and genuine feelings and been like, I don't want to be this thing that you think that I am and stuff. So, like, yeah, thematically, there's definitely a link there. I know, well, that's the thing, though, because I don't know if I would ever watch SFW again. Like, I think the the first time was, like, it was... It it was weird for me watching again recently because it feels like less of a movie. Because I think it's deliberate because it's, like, that punk energy to it where scenes are disconnected and it's, like, random bits of violence, and then he goes to some other person's house and something happens. He goes to some other person's house. And it, it, it's less of a coherent thing. So I, if I can... I mean, what this is what I'm doing for this show right now is I would say Ruby Sparks is the better film. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I, SFW, despite me now being, what, 26 years older than when it came out, it still kind of means something to me, even though that energy isn't even in my life anymore. Mm. Of wanting to be like that rebellious sort of crazy person that can do what he wants. I'm I'm much more shocked that it's not like more remembered. Like you actively had to send me a Dropbox link to. Yeah, and that's just because I own it on DVD. Yeah, and they went trawling the internet. Like it's not streaming; it's barely available. Yeah, and it seems like because it's such a time capsule and it is capturing like a a moment. Yeah, that it would be like 
Yeah, but it's weird that like something like Airheads is more <laughs> more well remembered than SFW is. That is weird. Yeah, there's even a fandom that could get attached to this if they wanted, because the girl who shoots him at the end is from Buffy. You know, mm. who is she in Buffy? Seems like oh, they would recognize her. She, it was Tara. That was Tara. She's a lot younger. Yeah. Oh, that did not recognize her at all. <laughs> she looks like a little kid. I mean, when, when she joined Buffy, she's playing a teenager, but she, I think she was in her 20s. Ah. At this point, she is a teenager, so she looks young. Holy crap, I was like, yeah, just did, uh, like, I lo- absolutely love Buffy, <laughs> and it just, it, it, facial blindness or whatever, it just, just kicked in, Could, did not detect that at all. Well, and her part here is very small. Yeah, yeah. She's the new face for the, the future. One of the things, though, that definitely does somewhat date SFW is that, you know, it's, it's very, very white. <laughs> all the characters that are, yes. and almost to like the point when you see Spob and his buddy in the shop together like, or in the convenience store you're like this has got the same haircut they got the same kind of clothes <laughs> you almost would be like if you mix those two guys up I wouldn't be you know, it's much more because Steven Dorf is much the much more charismatic actor but it's like yeah these guys just all kind of look alike don't they like, <laughs> it was not, <laughs> nowadays you'll be like no nah, you gotta freaking mix it up <laughs> throw some kind of diversity in there but they, they did get some interesting looking guys because like Jack Noseworthy has a face you could recognize Jake Busey's in it mm. oh that's they're, right Jake Busey is in it they're yeah. distinct but yeah it's all that like Toby Maguire before he's anything that yeah. big like you could almost in terms of doing that whole oh it's the same character Oh, no, you couldn't. I was going to say, you could say it's, he's playing the same teenager from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> and that's set in the 70s. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, I can't yeah. do that. It, it was actually, the Toby Maguire thing was weird really quick. Because in this movie, he doesn't, I thought he looked more like, um, what's his name, Kieran Culkin? Oh, yeah. In his scene. And I'm like, wait, Kieran Culkin would be too young in 94. Who is this? <laughs> and it took me a moment to realize it's Toby Maguire. <laughs> So like, he can't be in this movie. He'd be like ten. Uh, I think it's that because actually, weirdly enough, one of uh, one of the Culkins, I think it's, it's not Kieran, because I was like, oh, like friggin' Wallace from Scott Pilgrim's gonna play that part. But the the even the younger Culkin apparently is playing yeah. Joel Schumacher in a TV show huh. coming up. I don't know when, particularly nowadays. I have no idea when this thing's gonna come out. Right, productions all. But I think weird. it's the oh, it's the. I think it's it's about Holston, who I think was a big fashion designer. Oh. I'm fairly certain it's about the, the, they're the main character, but they announced like, oh, there's a bunch of people in it, and the youngest Culkin is playing Joel Schumacher in the 70s. And I was like, holy crap, we got to watch that because <laughs> we've been talking a lot about on the show about the uh, Joel Schumacher was a busy guy in the 70s, <laughs> like he he got around. Yeah. So uh, I'm be very curious to see what way what to do with that. Rory Culkin, maybe. So Ruby Sparks wins, right? Oh, for sure. 100%. Okay. But SFW is, if you can get your hands on it, listeners, SFW is worth watching. Especially if you want to know what the mid-90s were like, kind of. It's very... Mm. I think it, it must have been, it seems like, because it features Radiohead's Creep in it as well, back before... Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Radiohead in, in the UK would have been sort of on, on the rise then, though. But it seems like yeah. that would have been... Oh, everyone knows Radiohead's creep from SFW because they play it so prominently. But I don't know if it had anything to do with the popularization of that song. Yeah, but the movie wasn't big enough. Yeah. yeah. Stephen Dorff is every time he's like, I made that song. <laughs> it's only because of me wandering around town when it plays. That's why anyone knows what the hell it is. Have a, have a tie-in video with Stephen Dorff in it. <laughs> great. It's directed by uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Farris. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I guess one more time, Niall, where can the listeners hear more from you? Oh, you can get me on Bat Minutes, uh, which is a show where we look at all the Batman movies uh, minute by minute. Currently, 
We're on Batman Forever and having a great time with that. We've got two full seasons uh, in the bank. And actually, yeah, we're nearly done recording the third movie now. And then we'll be on the Batman and Robin. And then after that, who knows what we're going to do. And yeah, you can find that on your podcatcher of choice. Whatever you use, it's more than likely we're on that somewhere. And I will use you to cross-promote one of my shows because... Uh, as this episode goes up, just last week, you were the guest on Two Minutes About Time. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cock Bull Minute, or find us in the Facebook listeners group, Cock and Bull Pub. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com.